answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Both myself and my co-host here, we're both financial planners, Certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. Essentially, we spend our work days with people like yourself, and we broadcast on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. So whether you have an advisor you're working with now or you do things on your own, we uh, hope you find this a great place for valuable information and a great place for you to be educated. And a lot of our focus is on, well, I think the number one issue that most Americans deal with when it comes to their finances, and that's saving for retirement, whether or not they want a traditional retirement as whatever retirement means, but to be in a, a place where they have financial independence in their life and where work becomes an option and not an obligation. And the reality is if you're in your forties, fifties or sixties, um, it is increasingly more difficult to save for retirement because of financial stresses and strains coming from two different directions. Your parents or your children. So you're in your 50s and you're like, what is he talking about? A third of the adults, this is according to AARP, a third of the adults last year gave money to their parents. About half gave at least $1,000 and 20% gave $5,000 or more to their aging parents to support them. I mean, clearly it's a real issue. So think about that. You're in your 50s. You probably have uh, anywhere from a 13-year-old or a 10-year-old to uh, a 30-year-old yourself. And if your parents or your spouse's parents are still alive, you've got someone that you're helping to take care of that are in their 70s. You might not be helping them now, but... You might be having to help them soon. We see it all the time. But this is the first time I've seen statistics on there where half of the people... A third of the adults Where'd in their 40s, 50s, AARP, this oh. is out of the New York Times, um, which actually makes sense. The New York Times uh, writing about AARP. This might be a little bit liberal. <laughs> but I do enjoy the New York Times. Um, a third of adults, and of those third, half are giving at least $1,000 a year, and 20% are giving 5000 or more. It is I, a- my guess is 10% are actually giving that significantly uh, more amount. I mean, it's the sandwich generation, right? Yeah. You've got kids that you're still helping to support. And even if they're in their 20s, most kids aren't fully financially yeah. independent. It's really tough now. A third of midlife adults said they were just meeting or falling short of expenses, which doesn't leave much room for savings for their own retirement. So when you talk about the stress or the sandwich generation, which is 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, it goes back to how difficult it can be to end as we're on this. The best investment that you can make, and if you find yourself in your 40s or your 50s, the best investment is in your own career. That's right. And so if you find yourself mid-40s thinking, this, I, don't, I don't know how to put these things together. Uh, I mean, we as a financial advisor would say, focus on how can you improve your skills in the marketplace to get a higher paying job. Cuz yeah. if you're if you're uh, you know at a bottom rung of of income I mean it unless you're going to ch- unless you change your skills or what you can bring to the marketplace you're you'll be in the bottom rung of income or change your lifestyle. I mean that's yeah. downsize live, to whatever that may mean. Live on less. Yeah. That's depressing. Okay. Figure out how to make Don't more money. Don't tune out yet. It gets better. <laughs> Figure out better. how to make more money. <laughs> it gets better. Get better at your career if possible. Anyway, let's. Um, the show is around uh, you know, all kinds of financial stuff, but also around some calls. And if you want to be part of the program, I'd love to take your call. 833-99-WORTH is our toll-free number. And uh, we schedule our calls ahead of time. So if you are listening and think, I've got a question, but I don't know if now's a good time, or I'm listening to a podcast, 
just call and we will find a time to um, get you on the program. Yeah. So what happens is that when people call in, if we're not recording live at that point in time, they'll schedule time for you to talk. The interesting thing is these calls aren't Scott and I, they're brand new to us. When we, when we get on the phone with you, we haven't talked to the person, nor do we know what question they're going to ask. That is correct. So this next call, it says William. That's all we know. And it's William. William. <laughs> so uh, let's talk with William. William with All Worth Money Matters. Hello. Hi, William. Yeah, I have two questions. I listened to you guys on the weekend. Uh, I My first question is, I own a house in Sacramento. Uh, I live there by myself, single, but I also use it as an Airbnb. And in the last two years, I had made significant uh, improvement in the patio. I've spent about more than $70,000 wow. in, in the entire house making improvement. Because when I purchased a house, I bought it brand new, and I just paid the basics. I went ahead and made changes. I changed the carpet to a hardwood floor. Uh, the yard, there was no patio, so I built a nice patio for people to hang out. My question to you guys is, the money that I have spent in the improvement to make the house uh, hospitable and, and welcoming to the host, the, the people that come in for Airbnb, that money that I have spent, is that deductible? Well, number, number one question. Well, let me let me answer this. It may be, it may not be. What you threw the, the wrench in there is you said that you stay in this house. Did you not? Yeah, I, I, I use one, one room. The house has four bedrooms. I use one uh, bedroom uh, off and on uh, because I work at three different hospitals. Uh, I'm a physician assistant. Oh. So, so when well, I'm in the area, I stay there. Go and ahead. what happens on capital improvements to a rental property? Let's just talk about all rentals here for a moment. When you do a capital improvement like this, you put a bunch of money to improve the property. Let's say you paid $400,000 for a house and you put $100,000 in improvements. Now the home is valued at 500000 and we de you depreciate over a period of years the structure of the house, not the land, but the structure itself. And so when you do your annual taxes, you can have a portion uh, as a deductibility, as a, a depreciation. But you can't just say, oh, I, I spent 100000 on capital improvements, so I can deduct 100000 off my income. But it normally it isn't quite that clean cut because you could spend 100000 and some of it may you could expense some of that hundred thousand right. and some of it you can actually depreciate. And normally that is the case. Now that's just a rental. And if this is a partial rental, then it'd be a, just a portion of the house. This who did your taxes in the last year or two? Uh, a fellow that has done my taxes for the last 18 years. And what did they tell you? Um, well, he seems to just kind of like, uh, put it in like in a, bank account like when he does my taxes he says this is how much money you you have positive in i don't know exactly how he puts it but he says when it comes time to sell your house this either becomes a positive or a negative depending whether you okay so he's, so he's tracking the he's tracking the depreciation yeah he's recapturing the depreciation and i assume that he's yeah, actually he yeah and i assume he's actually expensing part of it um yeah. Whether he's doing it right or not, I couldn't tell you. It sounds like he. Uh, it sounds like you have more of a communication issue than you actually have a structural problem uh, in, in doing your taxes. So if you are curious, just bring your tax return to someone else and have them give a second opinion. Um, okay. And then that's that's the best way to check on that. And by the way, okay. on income taxes. Yeah. I, I, I remember this is a long time ago in, in my undergrad. I took a, a class on income tax. It was a whole semester on income tax. And the final exam was a complicated tax return. And the professor said, there will be no two tax returns that look identical. They will all be different. Oh. I'm going to award some A's and some B's, et cetera. And what my takeaway on that is, is because of the complexity of the tax system, there's not always one way to look at things. So if you've got... 10 different moving parts and you got you know several different eyes looking at that you're, you the the number of combinations are virtually endless and 
And quite frankly, he may want to, some years, deduct more, right, or depreciate more. And other years, he may actually want to deduct more based upon what income is being derived from this Airbnb. By the way, don't yes. please don't buy a house next to me and put in an Airbnb. <laughs> Just please. Okay. Uh, actually, my – anyway. Okay, second question. My other question. question is on my three my, – the three properties that I own, the interest that I paid on the mortgage to the bank – are those deductible? The, are these rental properties? Yes. Well, the two, I have one in Minnesota, I have a renter. Yes. One in Modesto, California, I have a renter. Those are deductible. And the one I, And the one I live in, which I use also as a, uh, Airbnb, are the interest that I'm paying to the bank, are they deductible? Most likely. The, the, the ones for the rental properties, and when we say, here's why I said it's most likely. If your income goes above a certain, it's about 150000 bucks, you lose the ability to deduct, uh, to take losses on rental properties. So while the interest is a deductible expense to the properties, you may or may not be able to take a current essentially tax loss on it today. And some years you might, and other years you won't. So, the, But it, the, it's clearly an expense that is offset from the rents that you receive. Right, which means that— And then that, in your primary residence, the interest is an itemized expense, and depending upon whether you itemize or take a standard, that would dictate whether or not it's deductible or not. So the answer to the question is most likely. Okay. And the only Good, way you're going to you're going to have to bring it to another accountant and actually have a second set of eyes and if the other accountant goes ah this is clearly wrong then you want to fire your existing accountant if the 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 second opinion guys yeah this looks about right then you're you're fine. They're not going to be exactly well, the I same. Am, I am at that crossroad because this guy has been charging me $800. That's not a lot. I think not with, so. not, that's no, not that's a lot not for, a lot. For for, for two, two two rentals and an Airbnb and Airbnb that is not a lot of money to do that tax return. But you should be getting well, you should be able to have a conversation with him. And the, yeah, the, in but fact, here's the thing: he sends me these documents that I pretty much put in all the numbers. That's right. yep. And when I bring it to him, all he does is just put them in the computer. That's right. That's so right. what? What? Yeah. Myself. You know what? So here's what. Right now, William, what you're doing is you're doing tax preparation. And what right. you'd like to be doing, that's why you're calling, is you'd really like to do some tax planning. You'd like to be able to sit down with somebody and, and say and answer these questions and then say, what can I be doing differently to benefit my tax situation, both now and in the future? So is he and, recommending okay. that you put money into your 403B? You said you work at a hospital, so I assume you have a 403B available to you or 401K. I have 401Ks. Or a 401K. I, have, I have 401Ks and uh, Roth 401K. Okay. I do both. Well, and that's I always a, max. I don't Every know whether. Okay, that's I don't. Good. I don't know if you should be doing the Roth, but but so what? It isn't the eight hundred dollars that's I think bothering you. It's that you don't think you're getting value for the eight hundred dollars. Maybe you need to hire an accountant that you pay fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars a year for, and actually then yeah. gives you a strategy and says this is how you should do it. This is what I think, and you're buying that advice. If you go for taxes and you're shopping for the lowest, least expensive tax preparer or and or attorney that's what you're going to get i see that is <laughs> what you're exactly going to get right right. <laughs> <laughs> right i would not use a tax preparer that wasn't charging me a fair or at least um a mid-level or higher price for my taxes on a scale and i most certainly wouldn't hire an attorney ever that was uh, the lowest priced attorney yeah so uh, you, you probably need to find someone new william and um and do a little tax planning. So I uh, appreciate the call. And it reminds me, Pat, I had a, um, I bought a, uh, I had a uh, GMC Yukon. I think it was a 2001. Okay. Right. And we had it for years. And then when my son was driving, it kind of became his car and it got to 140,000 miles. And I started having some problems with it. And I was too cheap to take it to the dealer because like, it's too old of a car. And no, so, she's going to run this thing. <laughs> right? So, so I, I asked a buddy of mine who also had an old Yukon, like, hey, where do you take your car? So there was some guy in El Dorado County. He, like, like lives on this, like, ranch. And he, that's where he, he works on his car. So that's perfect, right? He said, oh, yeah, you'll love me. He's really cheap. So <laughs> I'm, I brought the car to him. 
I, within within a month, it was back there three different times. Oh, is right? that right? Because you were saving all this money. I'm saving all this money, right? <laughs> and um, it was just, it was so frustrating to me. And I remember, I just think it's my fault. You went for price. I went for the lowest, <laughs> thinking it's an old car, so I don't really need much. And you viewed. But I still needed. And you viewed every mechanic that is exactly ah, the same. it's an old car. How hard can it be, right? Yeah. I don't understand it, but so, yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. the, and it's the same kind of thing sometimes when it's. Other professions we're looking at. To your point, if you have a serious legal problem, are you going to want the cheapest attorney in town? No, no, no. A no. serious tax? No, no. I'd rather pay more knowing it's done right and that I get I received good counsel for my tax issues or my legal issues. When we're talking legal, by the way, so far it's been civil. <laughs> Well, I mean, in business, you end up with um, yeah, you, need, you, you need you need counsel on lots yeah, of things, yeah. but real estate and different attorneys for different things, right? So if someone else, if we're signing a lease with a building on a building, or we own some buildings and we're someone's, we have a a real estate attorney deal with that, right? If we have a t- complicated tax issue, we you have a tax attorney deal with that. Different specialties. That's right. All right, let's continue on with calls. Um, and a bit, it is that kind of tax season, by the way, that's starting to heat up. Most of us have received our W-2s and 1099s. And yes. I'd say either get your taxes done earlier or do a an extension. Try not to have your taxes done the last April week. April 8th. Yeah, normally your accountant, your tax preparer, is not at the height of their game the last week before taxes are due. They have been working nonstop. And, and it's okay to file an extension. 100% okay to Not only that, if you're a business owner and you'd like to make a contribution to your retirement plan, like a SEP IRA or a uh, maybe you got a pension set up, um, you have until the time you file your extension, which could be as late as October 15th. And you can still file it, uh, by the way, do an IRA contribution for the previous year if you had some wages. Uh, you got until the, la- the latter of the time you do your taxes or April 15th. Yes. Remember I had a – someone told me where they would file their – do their taxes – as soon as possible, then they'd take the refund and put it in an IRA for the previous year. And I said, well, it's, technically you can't, you're not supposed to be doing that. You might not ever get caught. But <laughs> no, that, that's wrong. You're not supposed to take a deduction unless you've actually made that contribution. You, so I had an interesting thing. So uh, I have uh, three, one child that had graduated from college and three in college. And one of my sons is uh, an econ major at uh, UCLA. And so his older sister called me and said, I'm going to make a Roth contribution uh, for $6,000. And I said, that's brilliant. Where did that come from? Where did you decide that? She said, well, my brother Tom told me to make the Roth contribution. I said, what was your income last year? She said, oh, it was less than 6000 I said, well, you got partially good advice. Partially good advice. He told you that the maximum, the limits were 6000 but he didn't finish the statement, which, or 100%. Of your earned income, not to exceed six thousand. Boy, this sounds like the kind of questions I get from my kids. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, this is the text I just got. I might be going to ski at Banff with Rachel the weekend of March twenty first in the middle of my spring break. I'm just thinking if I'm home, I'll just fly to and from SAC. I'm looking at flights, especially once money for a flight home from well, Banff is, now. This is uh, kind of different. This is my god. I would in like grad to be school. a Hanson child. I might be skiing at Banff. <laughs> It's good to be your kid. Sure, yeah, of course. Let's go to Bam. I got a spring break. Let's go to Bam. Why Bam? Switzerland this time of year is beautiful. <laughs> All right. You didn't respond to that. Like, this is going on a whirlwind trip. Just lead her on, Scott. Like, why stop at Canada? And then when she comes back and says, Dad, I'd like to ski the Alps, you respond, Are you out of your mind? I'm not made of money. All right. This is hilarious. You're just talking about how do we save money for retirement? Mine wants to, how do I pay for my Banff ski trip? They're all different. Uh, 833-99-WORTH is a number. We're talking with Tom. Tom, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey, uh, first-time caller. Um, my question is, I've, I have an IRA. Um, I've never really managed it. It's self-directed, ironically, um, but it's just been sitting in there. It's about 100000 and um, I've gotten a little more savvy over the last six months about the stock market and realized I've been kind of a little bit of a bonehead and in not investing it, to say it bluntly. Um, 
So my question to you guys is, uh, my wife invests in the stock market and she thinks I should throw it in. And I think I'm looking at it and I'm thinking this is all time high. So I've already kind of messed up and not invested it over the years. Mm -hmm. So my question is, I'm, and I know you can't time the market. I understand that. But should I just wait for the inevitable <laughs> uh, dip of the market and then throw it in? Or should I just put it in now? So let me ask you That's this question. question. Um, let's assume that you put it all into the stock market today. How big of a decline do you think you might see in the next in your lifetime, in a one-year period? 50%. Okay. True. Historically... Stocks lose money one out of every three years, a little more over three years. If we go back almost 100 years, we have some good data. Furthermore, in any 12-month period, we can expect a 14% decline. Stocks Historically. Lose, stocks lose money. Let me put it this way. Stocks make money about 85% of every five-year rolling period. But that's about 15% of the time if you look at the last 100 years, where well, you've owned stocks for five years and had losses. Didn't make a dime. If you go mm -hmm. out long enough, if you look at a 15-year period, there has never been a 15-year period in the last 100 years where you've not made money. And I don't like to think of it as investing in the stock market as much as owning the largest companies in our country. Because when you're in, when you own stocks, what you are is you are an owner and you're going to share in the, the, the future of that company, their success and their, and their, and their, and their, their failures. When you, where is the money now? Is it in a bank IRA? Mm -hmm. It is. It's, it's just a, it's in a, getting nothing. Okay. Actually, probably losing money. Okay. So, so inflation. So, but, but, but you gave us two scenarios where it's at now. Or in the stock market, I would I would say, look, take a third of it, put it in now. Take a third of it, put it in in twelve months. Take another third of it and put it in. But probably not a hundred percent in the stocks anyway. That's right. How old are you, Tom? I'm fifty. Okay, um, so, so you probably years at least. Yeah, you. I mean, you got time. You probably would. You'd be you'd be well served by it. I mean, I'm fifty two. And 100% of my IRA is in stocks. I'm 57. Am I 53? I'm 53. 100% I'm 57 and 100% of my IRA is in stocks. It has been. Okay. As has mine. The other, the other caveat is how we also have another 400 in the stock market in index funds. Okay. So that's why I'm like thinking this money could stay on the side for the inevitable uh, dip. And then you can just say, well, hey. Because it's going to dip. I know. Wait, I wait, wait, wait. But not. it might go up another 20% before it dips 15%. And who then where are we? Who would have thought about the 30% increase last year? Right. Yeah, so then true, where are we? True. Then where are we? So the question. I just look at the graph is what I do. I now, look at that graph. If you ever looked at that graph and you see it, you're like, it, it, I would, I would, I would bet that the chance of going down is higher than going up anymore. Well, here's the general rule, and I Tom. Might be wrong. Whenever you buy a stock or invest in a stock fund, the next day it will go down in value. <laughs> okay. And whenever you sell, the next day it will go up. Now, that's not a science. I can't prove this scientifically. It just feels like that's what happens. So Agreed. Uh, but the, bit, the bigger question is, why, why aren't you and your wife on the same page with your portfolio? When you say she's in the uh, stock market, she may not be 100% in the stock market. So if I was if I was your advisor and I'm sitting with, with Tom and Tom's wife and your wife's like mm -hmm. gung-ho, like stocks, stocks, stocks. And you're like, you know, cash, cash, cash. I think, how long have you been married, Tom? 25 years. Have you not had compromises in your relationship over the last 25 years <laughs> in certain subjects? Oh, of course. Of course. You of need course. to get to the same place with your overall investment portfolio because you talk about your money and she talks about her money, but the reality is it's community property money. Oh, no, no. You misunderstood. It is community property. It's That's right. Our money. That's right. Yeah, That's no, what I my point not, is. I wasn't implying that. Yeah. But no, you I said that she's that. invested. You used the word she. Well, because she has a different she has a different, we don't have the same account. She has her own 401k Look, and I have an old 401k. But you're going to be living together she, the rest of your life. You're going to be retired together right. and pulling money you need, out together. You guys need to get on the same yeah. page. 
I would agree with that. You, you, you're asking about a portfolio, and she could be running yeah. 100%. What happens if she's leveraging your, her portfolio by using some options or some? Uh, no, I some, know exactly what she's doing. Okay. I, I see it all on my computer. I know where everything all is. All right. At. Well, you guys need to land on the same page. That's what. That's okay. the reality. That's the reality. Oh, well, yeah. And so he, are, the answer. But the so question, they, our question we can't figure out is, do we leave it in cash for when it will fall? Or do we just put it all in and write it out? I wouldn't. I, but the, but yeah. I, I understand. A, I answer, you, but we answered the question. There is degrees. So I would put at least a third of it in or, equities. Or dollar cost average over an 18-month period but, or 12-month period. But if your wife has 100% of her four hundred grand is actually in equities already. If you're worried about a dip, then you'd want to sell that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to take your your argument and take it to the extreme. But that's 80%, that. but that's 80% stocks and 20% bonds and cash. So you're asking about part of the portfolio. And you might have a great allocation. The it way might it, be fine as it is. Without, I mean, you don't 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 isolate this hundred grand like it's a separate subject. That's the bigger issue. That's it. That is the bigger issue. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around for more. All worth money matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. Pat McClain here talking about financial matters. And um, we're going to go back to the calls here in a moment. But I just want to let people know, we've got a... Um, I'm pitching my own article, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> you want me to do it for you? Yeah. Right there. All right. Read so, that. So Scott <laughs> has written a um, an article that you can find on our website, allworthfinancial.com. Three tax-savvy tax wealth preservation strategies. So Scott's going to share the three most common financial mistakes people make and how to think about your tax planning so that you actually get um, you're using the techniques that are legally allowed in order to pay the minimum amount of taxes. Unless, of course, you feel good about what the government's doing <laughs> with your money, in which case, do not read this article. And by the way, so this article, we, 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 we put a lot of education material out there. In addition to this program, we have a weekly newsletter. And if you, haven't, if you don't receive it and you'd like to receive it, there's a lot of good articles we do every week in that. Um, but then we, we monitor the ones, the articles that people view the most. That's the, one of the benefits of technology, modern technology. You can see what actually resonates well with people. And the ones that resonate the best, we tend to highlight them. So if you go to our website, allworthfinancial.com, um, you can find yes, those articles. Here basically, we're going to move the most popular ones up to the uh, beginning at the top of the queue so that That's you're right. more likely to. But if you're not receiving our, our weekly newsletter... Sign up for it, please. Allworthfinancial.com. Allworthfinancial.com. Yeah. All right. And our number to be part of our program, 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Glenn. Glenn, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, how you doing? Great. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> how how, how, how much you like me to say? Uh, we're doing just fine, Glenn. Fair to Midland. <laughs> I know. So the, the question, uh, my question is this is I have a plan in place that I think I've been working, but it's always good to try to bounce it off other ideas. I mean, I, I go through one company for my plan that for retirement. I'm already retired, but I do part-time stuff on the side. I, I was a cop for 24 years. My wife is a nurse, and we both maxed out 401ks over the long term. Well, mine was a 403B or whatever that is. Anyway, so um, my question is, is when she retires, is she has the option to do the buyout or is do we take the pension from where she, she's a nurse at a hospital? Do we take the pension from the hospital or do we do the buyout and buy an annuity? Is she at a teaching hospital? Are they part of the university system? No. Okay. In what state do you live in? California, okay. Sacramento area. So here, so here's the cool. When is your wife retiring? When do you think? Uh, three years, six months. Nothing okay, I'm counting. So but, you're yeah. not going to be able to land on a decision as to whether she should take but, the pension or lump sum until that but particular day. But there's some, and here's there's no clear answer because it all depends on 
what the pension plan is like. And even if she works for a large uh, organization like Kaiser, for example, big hospital. Uh, uh, That's a good it? guess. Okay. okay. Wow. wow. So well, they have, well, because you said the pension buyout, but they also have several different types of pensions because they've Correct. acquired other hospital systems over the years. So. She yeah. could be working with someone that actually makes sense for them to take the lump sum where it may not make sense for you to take the lump sum. So there's a number of drivers. The first here. thing is, will she continue to get medical if she takes a lump sum? No. Okay. All but, right, a big but, one. but he retired as a police officer. So you probably have we lifetime family medical anyway. No, they don't. Okay. Your city not doesn't city. allow that. So, My city actually went bankrupt. Okay, you were in Vallejo time. or Stockton. Mm. Um, yes. By the way, God bless you. Being a police officer in any of those two cities, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously, that is a uh, that is that is a that's rough work. The so it's Glenn, done. I'm done. We <laughs> we would be inclined because you don't have lifetime medical benefits, and that well, what she, what age will she be when well, she retires? It's due because I was in the military, so I got. Uh, and because I was on Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, for a short period of time, but over the the minimum amount, so I get lifetime medical from the VA for both you and your wife. Just me. Okay. And but how that still saves me a thousand bucks a month, right there. How yeah. old will she be when she retires? Sixty-two. So I mean, part of it is is you need to factor in what would it cost her to. Uh, to pay for Kaiser's medical insurance for herself between 62 and 65. Well, we and then for a supplemental plan like from one 65 or on. two days a month. If she was to go back and work part-time, just one day or two days a month, that okay. would easily cover, you know? Okay. But so then, then we need, because that's just the very first thing. Then we need to look at what, what is, what is the implied internal rate of return on that, the, the lump sum? Because well, if it, it, let me just, if, if they're offering her, yeah. A thousand dollars a month, or a lump sum of ten thousand dollars. Clearly, she's taken the thousand dollars a month. If they're offering her a thousand dollars a month or a million dollars, clearly she takes the million dollars. <laughs> right? Correct. Two extremes, but there so, are times when I, there from are times. What I understand because the, based on similar employees that have punched out with similar amount of times, this is not etched in stone, obviously, and things could change at a, at a moment's notice, not a moment's notice, you know, for whatever contract is coming up. But I'm guessing somewhere around four hundred to 600000 Okay, so that's a big, look, look. So here's, so there's yeah, a bunch absolutely. of things that go into the, the equation to take the pension or lump sum. One is uh, her life expectancy. So if you believe she has a shorter life expectancy than average, then you are more inclined to take the lump sum, right? And the company that offers the pension or lump sum, it doesn't matter to them. They just use well, they're what's- they're just buying an annuity themselves, right? Now, they're doing it Isn't internally, doing? yes, correct. And they're using a normal life expectancy But even with table. that, there's, yeah, there's no medical underwriting. Right. So there's no medical underwriting, which means if you think yeah. that she's got an extraordinarily long time to live- uh, then maybe the pension may be better. The other thing is, is what the interest rate is at the time that they actually offer the lump sum. Because the pension works on a formula, as does the lump sum, and the lump sum uses an interest rate uh, that, that internally to determine the size of the lump sum. So we're talking about yeah. three and a half years out. So we may decide right now in this low interest rate environment that it's better for her to take the lump sum. But if she retires in three and a half years and interest rates go up by 200, 300 basis points or two or 3%, at that point in time- The lump sum would fall in value. The lump sum is smaller than it would be today yeah, because- but, See, my, uh, the thing is, with we did pretty good on savings. We're not going to be super rich, but with hers and mine together- just on the 401ks, we're looking at about 1.4. That's right. And you're more inclined. So, you're more inclined to take the, the lump sum. The you, lump you, sum, yeah. That's right. You're more inclined to take the lump sum because yeah. you've got that much more it. cushion. And, and that's not including my pension. That's and my right. Pension is, and Social yeah. Security for your wife or you if you participated. Yes. So, you would get the Social Security. Glenn, that's yeah. right. I would be in the same mindset as you. It's like my... my my initial reaction would be, I want the lump sum. I want control of my money. I don't want to give up control. Well, but, but, then, but my thought is on this, because 
pension plans, all pension plans, you know, Social Security, PERS, which I'm in, which uh-huh. is supposed to be still really good. They're all mathematically unsustainable. They will all fail in Thank the future. You. Sooner, Thank sooner you. Or later. Thank they you. They all will. Th- well, I, th- they, that's they, a big... Because there's not enough people to support it. You oh, know? Okay. So, <laughs> but using yes. the word all, always, and never is a big, those are big <laughs> well, words. Well, you can band-aid it. You can They're, band-aid look, it a number I, of times, but... Look, let me ask you this question, Glenn. <laughs> are you concerned that your pension... Um, well, not in my lifetime. I think it'll last for the next 20 or 30 okay. years or whatever. So I am inclined. I am inclined for your wife to take the lump sum. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. If you have a yeah. choice and she has a normal life expectant, you would want to take the lump sum. The more money you have in savings, the more likely it is that she could take the lump sum. But yeah, if, if we get the four or, you know, six or just round it up and make it five, you take five and you buy, you know, 500,000 in an annuity and get a guarantee from there, at least you have, it's not based on yeah. other employees input, you know, or incomes but, putting into it. It's your yeah, own, but, you know, but at that point in time, you, you have enough money. It's highly unlikely you would actually buy a guaranteed annuity, uh, in, the, you, in, in that in the in private that, market, you probably private, get a lower payout than you would. At you're, you're probably pension. better off with the pension, but most likely you're probably better off with a well-balanced portfolio and, uh, we'll end up with a We're higher rate of return. Get, I want twelve grand a month before taxes. Because well, if I get twelve grand a month before taxes, then we're we can I, do whatever listen, the hell. And we that's want. right. And so go to our work. Go to our website, allworthfinancial.com, and watch the seven personal decision points. Which is right. you've already determined what you think you need to live on. The question is, yeah. what are those sources of income in three years? The thing that the reason I don't like the lump sum is because of the medical. Right. Um, but yeah. uh, the reason I like the lump sum, but your our job isn't to go one direction or another to either. It's to test our thinking on this. And it's all about probabilities of outcome. So the way we yeah. try to view everything, Glenn, um, is what can we do to give Glenn's family the highest probability of a successful retirement to ensure that yeah. you, you don't have to change your lifestyle? Right. I mean, that's how we that's the lens in which we view everything. So and we work backwards yeah. from there. And we're with you. If all things being equal, you take the lump sums, all things being equal, you would invest it in a portfolio, probably 60 yeah. to 70 percent stocks, response to cash and some other alternatives. But you, ha- you have to test that. And, uh, and we won't know the size of the lump sum until we're close to it. Till the day. Yeah. And, they they, yeah. They don't really discuss it. Well, they know? can't. Well, they they can't because it's set by interest rates. And some pension plans oh, change the interest okay, rate yeah, on yeah, a yeah. quarterly basis. Some do it on an annual yeah. basis. So not only do you not know what it is, you do know 15 days prior to the t- date that they actually start using it. So you might decide that your wife leaves in quarter one rather than quarter two if you're going to take the lump sum because the lump sum will be higher in quarter one than quarter two. Follow me? Okay. So Just remember, a year, a year before retirement, now that's when you really, it's time to start doing some serious work on this. Yeah. You could do the financial planning to make sure you're going to get to the 12 grand. That's what we do. But when it yeah. comes to the date, right, you may decide that she wants to leave in the first quarter of the new year because she's going to get the new interest rate and she may get vacation by only working one day in the quarter. Every plan is a little bit different, right? And we walk yeah. through that. But the benefit is you know what the interest rate is 15 days prior to the one that they're going to use it. Right? They, know, um, they know what it is. So many so what's plans, the difference in the price, though? If, if, you know, if it's, let's say it's 500000 if the difference is 1% or 2%, What's the difference in the by the? Oh, the could payoff? be four fifty, four twenty five. It's, it's huge. It's, yeah. it's massive. It's highly leveraged. Oh wow! It's ma- It's it, it's massive. You they. Oh, I've seen them move as much as thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars quarter to quarter. We listen. The, we we have thousands of employees that retire from airlines and from uh, we have a bunch of re- telecommunications, Kaiser, as well. Kaiser state employees, UC hospitals. We understand the difference between a pension and a lump sum and how it's actually derived. What life expectancy table most of the companies will use and what the internal interest rate is, which drives the size of the lump sum. We get it. We know the joke. We've seen the movie. You yeah. just want to make sure that we're actually using all the available information to decide whether you're going to take the pension or lump sum. I'm inclined to take the lump sum in your particular situation. Yeah. But, but we can't. But you have so much more control. Understand. Yeah. But, but, but look, but yeah. in but three the numbers years. Are, then that, by the way, the numbers are going to be the numbers. It should not impact yeah. the 12 grand a month. That's right. So if you're thinking I'm going to take I, the I lump sum because yeah. I need more money, that's not the right way to look at it. 
No, we're not doing that. Yeah, that's not it. No, good. No, no. I, and I think we're set on that. It's, that's just the last, the final piece in the puzzle. That's right. But it's three years that, out. It's three years out. I know. <laughs> and you're not going to know what that right answer is until the day you make the decision. So you want to get good counsel on making the right uh, decision at that point in time. And unfortunately, okay. let me just tell you flat out, 90% of the advisors you go to see right now will tell you to take the lump sum if they think they're going to manage the money. Why? Yeah. Because they want control of it. That's right. They get paid. But we're not arguing one way or the other. That's not the objective. We're going to do fine as a business by just giving good advice, whether we manage the money or not. Our view of the world. Well, the the company I use, they do a good job. Well, actually, it's hard to do a a bad job this year because the the market's just freaking crazy. I mean, every single one of my things is at between 18 and 26%, I think, in returns. Yep, yep, so, yep, 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 yep. Anyway. So as long as, I mean, obviously that's not going to maintain. There is going to be a downturn in the future. Yes. Yep. You know, there's got to be a correction of some sort. There always is. But we just dollar cost average it over the long period of time and you'll outperform it. Glenn, so, when I, I started think. in the industry in, 19, in July of 1990, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was about 2,600. Yeah, I know. It's up <laughs> 10x. <laughs> I just always try to remember, you, you have a long enough perspective and it, the stock market doesn't even look like it have downturns. So yeah. it's anyway, got to ignore the So before we go, uh, two things. One, I want to, uh, you yes, and sir. your wife, thank you for your public service. I know, I thought one's, one's a cop, the other's a nurse. It's right, like, yeah. yeah. Before we go, thank you for your public service, truly. And in some areas that- He I probably can't. arrested some bad guys that is sent to the hospital. His uh, wife had to help live. And, uh, and uh, thank you for your service in the military. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. We appreciate it. We do appreciate (laughs) it. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine, a retired high patrolman. I forget what movie we were talking about. It's a a bad guy. He says, I don't watch. He says, so so much of my career was kind of dealing with the kind of the bottom rung of society. Oh. He says, I don't like watching anything that with that kind of those character issues. I I, just, he says it destroys. He said he had to retire because his, his view of mankind was getting, he started thinking everyone was acting that. So Scott, I uh, spent some time with a friend of mine who I knew was a, um, a police officer, but I didn't really know what he did. And so I'm, I'm, I'm spending time with him. And I said, exactly what did you end up doing over the time? He goes, I go, what was your favorite part of the job? He goes, I led a SWAT team. I led a SWAT team. So I said, okay, I assume you've drawn your, your a weapon on people. And he goes, yeah, I led a SWAT team. That's what you do. And then I'm like, have you ever shot anyone? Right? <laughs> like the basic question. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And have you ever killed anyone? You know this guy pretty well. Yeah. And he said, two people. And I said, how did that feel? And he said, I wish I would have felt more. Really? Yeah, but he said, these guys were bad, bad people. Bad people. And he's like, I wasn't the one that came to their house. They went to someone else's. They went in to to do harm to other people. And when we came and asked them to surrender, they didn't. We killed them. And you're like, glad you didn't have any PTSD over it. Seriously. But then you realize these are bad people. And so when you talk to someone like Glenn, who was a police officer for all those years, you realize this is that is a scary, scary job. Well, it does put things into perspective because my worst day is when telling somebody, sorry, you can't afford to retire. You're going to have to keep working. Right. right. <laughs> That's about as bad as it gets. You can't afford to quit your job. But, all right. Let's uh, continue on. Uh, 833-99-WORTH is our number. We're talking with Bill. Bill, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey, how are you guys today? Hi, Bill. I'm good. Good. So... Wanted to ask you, with the constant news about the coronavirus, how should we respond to those things? Uh, I know the first time that the market hit, I think it was like down 600 or something, you know, and I just think, oh, boy, I should move everything into something safe. That's a sucker's bet. Don't do that one. What's that? That would be a sucker's bet. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to look, look. You're going to, we're going to live through this. This won't be the last one. We have, in fact, we've had SARS, right? We had MERS. We had swine flu. Swine flu. We've had. Mad cow disease. Uh, the, there are a series of things that we have had. If you're overweighted in China, which I hope you aren't, I'd be a little bit concerned. Um, I would, I'd be a little bit concerned. There, by the way, their economy going into this is shaky. 
I mean, but you would look at it and say, what are you talking about? It's shaky. I think the bottom line, though, um, Bill, is you don't want your asset allocation, meaning how much you have in stocks versus other assets, um, you don't want to change that based on external factors. Because external factors, whether it's a flu epidemic or trade wars or whatever, those things are going to happen. And we invest in companies because we know that over the long term, companies are going to react as well, just like you would if you were a business owner. You would like, I'm going to have to make some adjustments, going to have to tighten my belt during the season. Then when there's times to invest more, you're going to invest more. So the companies are going to react as well. So it's really, I think, what's most important is, do you have the right kind of allocation of your investments today to take care of your income needs along with what your risk tolerance is? That's the bigger question. When do you change your allocation, Scott? When there's a change in your life, something's changed in your life. Just Maybe you just retired. Maybe your spouse passed away. Maybe you have a, something. Or um, if there is, a, on, a, on a systematic basis, when you've got some discipline behind Maybe you want to have 60% in stocks, and suddenly, because of a year like last year, you find yourself at 68% in stocks. You do a rebalance. So, But you're you still going back to your 60-60. You should not be managing your money on an asset allocation basis, right, With where you're trying to mitigate risk because of external, external changes in the marketplace. Only with internal changes should you be changing that and we're going to see this again you're going to and this gonna, and who knows maybe next week the markets are going to fall off dramatically i don't but who would have guessed last year was going to be that as good as it with was all the problems with everything right with the political environment with short term it is anyone's guess what's going to happen turn on cnbc and watch for an hour and you could tell nobody has a dang clue what's going to happen over the short including term. us and th those that were right on some of the previous things are wrong dramatically i was just reading about someone who lost billions in tesla and they made billions betting on this the subprime prime crisis uh 12 years ago so i would not bill change anything based upon just this um, coronavirus. But well, let's uh, continue on with calls. We're talking with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Oh, thank you very much. I have a question about um, how one navigates uh, Medicare when you're 65. If you already have CalPERS, do you have to do both? I mean, I don't want to give up the PERS healthcare benefits. Yeah, yeah. so... Well, in my understanding, and I am by no means an expert on this. On CalPERS's benefits. On Cal, well, uh, CalPERS's, um, they, they make the premium payments. Yeah. They make the premium payments. And you would go through, well, this was coming out of, this was coming out of university, California university system with the one I just dealt with. I mean, I'm 99% I'm confident that you've got to sign up for Medicare. Yeah. You, you know, you absolutely sign up for Medicare. They just act as the co-insurer on the Medicare. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, so, no, no. You hundred percent sign up for Medicare. Yeah. But do you pay then for both? I mean, we, we also have premiums and. Yeah, but you need a, you need, you need it. You need a, a, a Medicare gap policy regardless. Yeah. So sometimes the employer, I mean, and this is at all word, companies, financially assuming that you uh, paid into Social Security and you're Medicare qualified, you would actually switch over to the Medicare and then your primary insurance acts as the gap insurer at that point in time. Or they oh, pay your premiums to go out into the marketplace and buy a policy. And that exists not only in you know government it, it exists in any you know lifetime and healthcare benefit that you might receive as an employer be it from a large company or a utility or any anyone else but it's typically everyone switches to medicare and then they act as the co-insurer on that or pay the premiums for the co-insurer one or the other i see all right um i have another i have another really quick question sure. maybe related to a, a pension um my company um, it might um, be acquired at some point in the future, and I have a, a pension program. It, it, when the company's sold and the pension kind of gets carved off to stay with me, um, what hap What do I do with the pension funds? Does it just stay where it's at? And so, so when you are we talking about a defined benefit pension that pays out a monthly amount when you retire? Are we talking about a four hundred one k or a lump sum? What are we talking about? Well, it's, it's currently a, a defined benefit. There is a 401k as well. 
Um, and, and part of that is uh, pre-tax, and the other part is Roth, and it's okay. a solo 401k, so I was able to purchase some real estate in those accounts. Well, but wait, I'm wait, mostly wait. concerned about the defined benefits. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. So you, you have a solo K, but you work for a large company? Is that what you just said? No, I work for a small company that did pretty well. Okay, and, and how many employees does this company have? Just me. Okay, okay there that. we go. All right, all that's confused. we're all confused. Okay, you're self-employed. Okay. You're self-employed, and you set up a defined yep. benefit pension plan, and you've got uh, a self-directed 401k solo k, which you keep at a third-party custodian that lets you buy assets like real estate in there. Yes. Did we get that right? Yes. So your defined yes. benefit plan uh, that you have there, what you would normally do is that if your company was acquired, which I hope it does get acquired if that's what you want it to do uh you would just roll those dollars into an ira and you would dissolve yep. the plan at that point in time oh i so right. it doesn't it's not considered like the pension anymore it just becomes an ira you could run it like the pension if you wanted to but there's no sense in you know because it's significant cost keeping it that money in the defined benefit plan versus your yes. solo k right yes and so yeah, it's very expensive. It's it's yeah. So what you're doing is you're trying to fund a, you're funding a a liability that exists in the future that your corporation, your company has promised to you as the sole employee. And when someone buys done. the company, they don't want that anyway. They don't want any part of that, uh, and you probably don't want any part of that. And at that point in time, you freeze the plan or dissolve the plan and take the money out and roll it into an IRA, and you do the same IRA. thing with your solo K as well. I. See. Got okay. It? Where I did the med- but where did the med- where did the Medicare question come from though? Is your do you have a spouse that is in Medicare? Yeah, works for the government. I, I well, I have a spouse who's retired, and that's why we he was state, and that's why we both have um, uh, health care through the CalPERS program. Perfect. But as he gets closer to the age when it's required to sign up for Medicare, I, it was confusing if we got to keep our current provider and if we would then be losing that oh normally you keep your current provider it's just who pays for it at that point in time and elizabeth you sound like you're in a wind tunnel like you're testing boeing's new 737 max features or something (laughs) oh i'm so sorry that's all right just uh, traveling in the bay area and it's raining and (laughs) oh i thought she was riding a motorcycle (laughs) motorcycle (laughs) appreciate that sorry we appreciate the call elizabeth wish you well take care Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. As usual, it's great having you with us. If you're listening to a podcast, we appreciate it. Go in and give us a review if you'd like. We'd appreciate that. Anyway, we'll see you next week at this same station. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.